All right, and this question comes from Magenta, and she says, hi all. So hi, hello, Magenta. Magenta. Um, on your next question and answer session, so that's right now, could you please explain more about the idea of a superiority complex? How it might affect your life, what might be involved in it forming, i.e. why would it form, and what you might do about it. Obviously, it will be different in different contexts for different people, but it would be good to know more about it. Some examples of people with this or resolving it would be brilliant, and maybe explain how it differs from the more common idea of an inferiority complex. Ooh, Big right. question. Let's yeah. have a thesis today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the, the term originates in Adlerian rather than Jungian psychology. With this caveat that Jung would include an Adlerian and a Freudian perspective where he felt it was necessary. So yet within context, it's still Jungian, but it's Adlerian. The, uh, the everyday appreciation of an inferiority or a superiority complex is wrong, fundamentally. Um, someone who has, from an Adlerian perspective, an inferiority complex, meaning a sense of inferiority, will act in compensation for that with an exaggerated superiority towards people. People with a superiority complex, according to Adler, will likewise act in the opposite direction. So their manifest behaviour will be to put themselves down, to make themselves subdominant, to make excuses for themselves all the time. It's as if they're embarrassed by their own potential and there is this secret belief in them that they are better than other people, uh, that they can control an environment so they back off from it and become more introverted and they lack the engagements and they feel the pressure of that as a sense of urgency and anxiety within. So rather than control a situation and other people, uh, they allow themselves to be controlled and to become subdominant. So that's a superiority complex. The inferiority complex manifests in, according to Adler, uh, in people who are basically in a state of anxiety over their status all the time, for whatever reason, and there are many, many manifold reasons for why that might happen. So they compensate for that. They overcompensate with uh, sometimes an aggressive sense of dominance uh, and of achievements of rank, social position, uh, intellectual argument, that kind of thing. And a lot of bullies have a sense on the inside of uh, deep inferiority and fear. You get it with psychopaths and narcissists. Um, a lot of psychopathic bullies are actually cowards, and that's an example of uh, an inferiority complex working itself through by becoming a bully uh, and developing psychopathic traits to control other people. That could be interpreted that way, so long as the assessment of the, the background of the particular individual is accurate enough to make that diagnosis, if you like, with sufficient confidence. But essentially they compensate for one another. But a heart it's just one complex according to Adler and beneath that is the striving for superiority and that's an innate drive as far as Adler is concerned and the solution to that for Adler is what he calls social interest which is the engagement with society and with other people effectively to relate properly uh, and in a Jungian sense that would be the anima or the animus the male and the female respectively. If you relate properly, uh, then you have social interest. If you have social interest, you don't have a superiority or an inferiority complex. But again, to go back to the psychopath, the psychopath has zero social interest. It's all about him or her. So 
then you get the uh, the manifestation of the, of the compensation for the inferiority or the feeling of inferiority within the person of the psychopath in this extreme example that overcompensates for itself. And with superiority complexes, you very often get people who have a loss of potential, but for whatever reason, it's not been actualized, it's not been reinforced through social levels of interaction. Mm. They may have social interests, but they feel they can't express it. Because if they did, they have a sense that their own power drive would drive them to overcompensate and dominate others. And they say, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. Uh, in a Jungian sense, an extroverted feeling type, for example, if they have a loss of potential, may suffer a little from that. Uh, and a, an overcompensated sense of superiority, but because their feeling is extroverted, they back off. And when they engage with other people, they put themselves down in an attempt to homeostatically regulate their potential so as not to override other people. So for Adler, it's perfectly normal. For Adler, we all have these drives. Uh, we all should drive towards social interest, but we might have a sense of inferiority innately, or it may have been conditioned by our life experiences, which causes us to overcompensate. And on the other hand, we may have an inner sense of superiority, which we want to tone down out of a sense of embarrassment sometimes, uh, and feeling for other people, which Jung might have called a hysterical reaction by over-adapting to the environment. Mm. Um, and you will get this with uh, a superiority complex, with someone who won't uh, express themselves to their full potential. They nevertheless over-adapt to the conditioning effects of others, which means that they will have a backdraft because they're hysterically, as Jung would have called it, adapting to others, the backdraft then tends to somaticize in the body and they get an awful lot of somatic symptoms. Um, again, in a Jungian sense, extroverted intuition is an ideal vehicle for over-adaptation hysterically to other people. If you pair that with feeling, you know, of any kind, whether it's, it's uh, introverted or extroverted, you're going to get the same kind of problem. Uh, INTPs, for example, and I'm reducing it down to typology here, because of the extroverted intuition, which is auxiliary in a Jungian sense, and is out in the environment, and is not under direct control of the ego or the ego, it's, it's, it's more of a support system, that can cause an INTP to become hysterically over-adapted because they're not aware of what their intuition is doing. They're aware of the return signal because it acts like radar, but they're not aware of the autonomy that extroverted intuition can have from consciousness. And so they then get the backdraft of the somatic symptoms. And if they have a superiority complex and act in an inferior way, they will over-amp that return signal even more where it generates anxiety on the inside and just cascades down into the body as a dissociative somatoform disorder. That's very common. So there's lots of ways of looking at it. You can interpret it in a Jungian way. But basically, it's fairly simple uh, from an Adlerian perspective, although he did tend to coalesce all of pathology around that one drive, in the same sense that Freud has been accused of coalescing everything around sex and libido and that kind of thing. In both cases, that's too simple, really, of an explanation, but it's indicative on the surface of how those pathologies work themselves through. So I think of it in those terms. Mm. You said before as well that the, that uh, they can form dyads, like yeah. their own little homeostatic mm. systems, one yeah. with superiority, one with inferiority. Yeah, they compensate. So playing each other's yeah. up. Yeah. 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 So, so the, uh, obviously that's, that's the, you've talked about the somatoform side, the negative yes. side of the superiority. Are there negative sides to inferiority complex? 
Yeah, you, you, you'll get people who are in a high state of agitation all the time because they're having to prove themselves. Um, and if that person happens to be a psychopath, and I, I'm, I'm using that as an extreme illustration because extremes often paint the picture very well, uh, then everything is in the other person rather than them. And that's the, the quality of dissociation that you get with a psychopath. It's not them, it's you. Everything is arranged to prove the hypothesis that it is you because that reduces the tension that they would feel on the inside which is the sense of inferiority that they're, they're acting to overcome and that then becomes so systematized so characteristic in that fundamental sense of their personality that as they go through life everything that they do is about arranging other people uh, and about reducing their status if they get a return signal that does not reinforce that they get in a terrible state because they cannot stand seeing what they are they have to make other people feel bad or feel subdominant and the whole of their libido in a freudian and a jungian sense is geared towards controlling others so they reduce their own inattention so you see that in its most manifest and clear form with a psychopath a narcissistic psychopath for example in particular will will uh, function in that way mm. So building up a little model then, and you can correct me in real time if, if I'm wrong, it's like, so when someone's in, say, an Adlerian stage broadly of development, they're trying yeah. to find their rank, their status, yeah. their psychosocial relations, everyone else around them, yeah. then they will, if there's any kind of um, something out of whack between themselves and their psychosocial environment, they will alternate between an inferiority, yeah. superiority yeah. thing. But presumably yeah. there's a threshold level with which, I don't know if it's, you know, a pure discrete threshold level at which these problems will become truly manifest and noticeable to others. But if using this idea of potential, genomic mm -hmm. potential, yeah. the higher potential you have, the more up and down, up and down, up and down you could go with them. And mm. this could potentially explain why younger people with higher potential who are struggling to find their way in the world feel pain on the inside or develop anxiety Absolutely. disorders or that agitation stuff. Absolutely, yeah. And to take it away from Alfred Adler and therefore away from a psychosocial perspective and start looking at it in terms of biology and the way that um, clinicians and theorists from a completely different perspective would look at it, they would consider rank theory, for example. Mm. And particularly for young men, as you, as you mentioned, young men, where they feel their status and their rank has been reduced, there's a higher incidence of suicide, there's a higher yeah. incidence of depression, mental illness, that kind of thing. Um, and then you get the compensation dynamics that turn up there. Now, for young men who have been influenced by, say, the internet to follow Carl Jung, the compensation will uh, typically appear as inflated archetypal ideas, mythic fantasies that elevate their status, and they push their libido into that. Um, speaking apparently about that as if it were a psychopathology, I do not mean to pathologize it as such, but rather to point out this is what happens with yeah. young men who have a particular uh, valency of potential that is frustrated mm -hmm. and they cannot achieve their rank within the culture within which yeah. they live. Yeah. Then you get that compensatory dynamic. It's normal. It's normal to have a compensation. It's just homeostasis. But it is typical very typical at the moment and you see this happening and of course then there are people who are only too willing to exploit that as well and lead them off into any political uh, direction any kind of woo-woo spiritual um, direction which could be uh, very very harmful for them because they're acquiring a system of belief which they attach to their consciousness to their self-reference frame within that uh, can lead them into a psychiatric state of delusion frankly and that is a real danger 
So with intelligent young men and increasingly young women as well who are moving towards being influenced by the internet youngians, uh, if they have an issue over their status and their rank, they will be vulnerable to the kind of inflation that Carl Jung himself described when they are exposed to archetypal suggestion and ideas. Uh, and you could interpret that Adlerian, and you could yeah. interpret that in terms, simple terms of rank theory. Um, oh, it's funny how it works, isn't it? It's almost as if they've not actually read the base text either. Yes, it's like indeed, oh, yeah. shiny image. Let's go for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Jung himself Dearly. said you must understand Freud and Adler before you go near his work. And how many of these guys do that? It's not their fault. They they've just not been exposed to those ideas. Yeah. And if you understand Freud, you understand instinct, you understand biology. If you understand Adler, you understand the social pathology and also the issues of, of status and rank. Then yeah. you can get on to the supposed transcendence issues uh, that you find in Jung, but not as a pathological inferiority, superiority overcompensation, which is what you can see. You can actually see amongst the, the, these young guys that Adlerian pathology, if you like, masquerading as Jung. Um, you get it in therapists as well, sadly. There's an awful lot of Jungians who appear manifestly to be closet Adlerians in the sense that they have manifest Adlerian pathology. Yeah, well, again, and loads of things go back to the personal myth, but it does. It's they like, do. what's the personal myth of the guy you're following? Yes. And it's, it's, it's yeah. one of those principles, it just it blows it away. That's a really good point, because Alfred Adler created his psychology as the three greats, Freud, Adler and Jung, did out of the nexus of their own life and their mm. own experience. In Adler's case, he was born with a particular disability uh, and he looked for something called organ inferiority, which would cause a person to strive to overcompensate. And this was him. This was him. That was his personal psychology. So he attempted to understand himself and came up with a grand narrative explanation based on the power principle. Not Nietzsche, although he was influenced by Nietzsche, it's different, this is clinical, it's not philosophical. It was about working with real people in the real world, but that was the direction that Adler went in, having separated himself from Freud. Jung separated himself from Freud, but he took Adler with him, and he did insist that people understood both of those. Jung had his own personal myth that decided the shape of his psychology, and was very open about saying that each of the three of them made a personal statement and that was the theory that they created. So in that sense, and this is a good rule of thumb, if you want to understand Jung, understand him as a personality. That includes his psychosocial background uh, and that of his parents, the times in which he was born. The same of Adler, the same of Freud. Um, but clinically, Adler's overlooked these days. Uh, and that's a shame because there's an awful lot of useful material in his theory uh, that you can apply. And you can link it with Jung because Jung was open about it if you're of a Jungian orientation, fits in nicely. Same with Freud as well. Yeah, well, clinically, I think you just have to find a home for your own libido. Yeah. Because the, what you were saying before, Steve, about um, young men drifting off into sort of all the archetypal material mm. is that they, they haven't quite found where they should place it yet, probably. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of the agitation, I think, that they feel and the, and the energy that they feel that's impelling them comes from that. Mm. It's got to settle on something. It has, yeah. And in, in the absence of, of having a home for it yourself, then it will drift off mm. and attach yeah. itself to to uh, other people's ideas and theories. Yeah. So I, I think the job, ultimately, uh, at a personal level, is, is to find out what you should be putting your own libido into. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. That's part of your personal myth. It is, mm. yeah. 
It is. And once you've completed your personal myth, you have your personal equation. You know what's mm. added up to being you. Mm. And then and only then can you individuate when you have your personal equation. Yes. If you're unconscious of that, you're unconscious of your personal myth. Mm. And you're not in control of the direction of your own life. No. Well, you, you've always said on the channel, don't attach yourself to a collective myth. Yeah. So we could say, I guess, in this case, that the ideas of Carl Jung act as a pseudo-collective myth with yeah. which to sustain yourself through. Do. You know, I, I, don't, I don't blame the guys, though. No. Obviously, I was, I was there as well. It's like, Absolutely. you're not, you're not yeah, fit, you don't fit in the, in the social sphere. Yeah. Yeah. And then you come away and it's like, oh, I found the social sphere. But it's like, actually, that's way worse than the one that you currently did. Yeah. It's like a little uh, mini Darwinian mm. experiment that's going on in the yeah. social world. But yeah. so out there, it's like, well, are you mating? Are you relating? Are you doing yeah. all the things that biologically would be required? Mm. The answer is no. So yeah. don't do it. Yes. You know, yeah. so yeah. not so good. No, not, no, not, not, not so good. Yeah. So for myself, just on the subject of uh, identifying and following young too closely, I made the same mistake a lot of people in this present younger generation make is that I completely ignored the fact that he said, don't do it. And I insisted <laughs> on doing it. And it was, it was a long, hard journey. So in that sense, um, I didn't respect his life or works because I ignored what he said not to do. Mm. Um, and well, when we're you, all selective about things, aren't we? we? Are. What we choose to emphasise. We are indeed, yeah. It's the best way to honour the man is to actually follow what he said mm. rather than what he said not to do. Yes. 